0: I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the award-winning Gethsemane Brown Mysteries, published by Henry Press, and the host of the Cozy Corner podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every other week, I chat with an author who writes novels on the not-so-gritty end of the crime fiction spectrum. If you prefer mystery without hardcore sex and violence, join us in the Cozy Corner. Welcome. Alexia Gordon, author of the Giseminy Brown Mysteries, published by Henry Press, and host of the Cozy Corner podcast for the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Joining me in the Cozy Corner today is Sean Riley Simons. She's the author Simmons, of the, <laughs> oh, Sean Riley Simmons. I apologize. Yes, she is the author of the Red Carpet Catering Mysteries. Her next book is Murder on the Chopping Block. That'll be the seventh book in the series, and she's joining me today to talk about that. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, So why don't you start out by telling us about your red carpet catering series? Absolutely.
1: Thank you. Oh, and I have to mention that I was in Mexico in August with my family for a week, and everyone called us Simons there because that's the... uh that was the pronunciation. So I kind of got used to that. And it's actually more, a little more elegant sounding. I think so. <laughs> I kind of like to go with the Simon's. It's like, Oh, pretty. You know, Simmons is, yeah, very American. But um, <laughs> thanks again. Thanks again for having me. Um, yeah. This is the chopping. we on the chopping block is the seventh book in the red carpet catering mystery series. And the series is based on the experiences that I had along with my sister working um behind the scenes on movie sets so my sister is a chef she went to culinary school and when she graduated she um they sort of asked her what you know career path would you like to follow and she said well I don't really want to work the line in a busy restaurant in New York City and never really get to be the head of the kitchen so they had all these other opportunities and she said oh you know we I love movies I'll go do that and uh she got put on a movie right away and um Worked in New York, and she worked in LA in different places. So here and there, she would have me come and help her, um, help her out, like be her sous chef. And we did a lot of dinner parties and things together. And then there was a movie that was being filmed here down in DC area, and they called her up and she said, "Hey, my sister's um, actually available too," and they hired me on as well. So um, through all of those experiences, all all of those sets and dinner parties and catering gigs and things like that, uh, when it came time for me to sit down and write a, a book or a series, I thought, well, what's, you know, the most interesting thing I've done. I said, I think that's probably what, you know, because I also did sales and marketing, which isn't the, the most fascinating career. You know? <laughs> I mean, it can be, but um, I love culinary mysteries and I was a big fan of people like Catherine Hall Page and um, just all of the different culinary mystery authors that came from to, through malice year after year after year. And I thought, well, you know, I've never seen a movie set catering um, series. So I will, be the one to write that so that's that was where the inspiration of the series came from part of experience part of inspiration part of just following a, kind of the right what you know thing <laughs> so.
0: and uh, tell us specifically about the next book the murder on the chopping block
1: right um well that book every single book i set and um they are traditional mysteries to co- you know cozies technically um and that usually encompasses sort of the same town and the same set of characters, you know it varies from book to book and different in other people's series. But in my books, they go to a different location every single book because movie sets move around move around the country and um so I've always had to pick a new location for them to be in and the my small town is a movie set because when you're on a set there's usually three or two hundred people or so every day coming in to work, so you have you know the actors and the people you know the producers, people from you know in the offices basically but then you have people like carpenters and you have chefs and you have wardrobe people you have makeup people so there's a community of people that come through to make this production happen and that to me is my small town so my one challenge is i have to have a whole new set of characters every time except for my main characters of course and then i have to choose a location so this one i've always picked places that i've lived or visited frequently. And, um, I'm kind of running out of places like that. seventh <laughs> I haven't lived in that many places. So I thought, Oh, I just was inspired to do something in California. Um, cause I love, um, Napa. I love that whole area. And I have, I have actually traveled up there in my past. So I set it in a fictional town, um, sort of like Monterey, but not really Monterey, but it's kind of like that. It's just, you know, kind of a, seaside place where there's lots of big waves and cliffs and things. And I always thought that was kind of romantic out there. So that's where it's set. And in this one, um, my main character is working on a movie where there's um, an accidental um, shooting on the set and one of the actors ends up dead and she um, doesn't think it was an accident. So she's looking around um, into what has, what happens and she's working for a, a family that owns the production, that owns the studio that the film is being made from, but they also do TV shows and different kinds of things. And they ask her to be a judge on a culinary competition show, which, cause I love those, I love all those shows. I watch every single one of them, all those like top chefs, like all those, I watch them all. So I wanted her to be a judge on one of those shows. And then someone ends up um, not making it through the production of that show either. So <laughs> she thinks maybe those are connected. So that's, uh, that's the book, book number seven, Murder on the Chopping
0: Block. Now, I'm assuming on the movie sets that you and your sister worked on, no one actually got murdered. <laughs> no, not that I know
1: of. <laughs> not on the set, exactly when we were working, at least. Um, no, but there was an accident on one of the movies we worked on. There was an accident where um, one of the main um, actors was that they were doing a car a car chase kind of scene, and the the car went out of control and injured the actress. And um, but she was fine; she walked away fine. Oh, good. So that was the closest we came to anything. I think can mishap. someone, but then as a mystery are like, well, was it really an accident, or did somebody really want to take her out? You know, but I don't <laughs> think so.
0: <laughs> Not in real life. So, where do the inspirations for the the crimes that happen come from? Or do you just make them up? Um, I do. I kind of. A lot of some of them have been inspired by um, real
1: crimes, like the one in this current book, for instance. I was always really interested in the the Brandon Lee accident that happened, um, Bruce Lee's the, son. Was, you
0: know,
1: yeah. yeah. So that was sort of kind of the inspiration for this one. It's a similar sort of accident. And I remember when that happened, and I read all about it. Cause I'm a long time fan of Hollywood and movies and drama so I read I read all those I read all the celebrity things I'm, I keep up with everything except sometimes today I'm like who are these people I'm not sure who these celebrities are <laughs> I'm more of a movie star person but um that's that's sort of the kernel of inspiration for this current um murder in this book because I thought we thought that was so tra- tragic and sad um how it happened and you know and I remember going to see the movie and just being really um upset by all of the things and you know, there was a trial and there was an investigation and all this stuff. And um, but yeah, so that was, I do kind of draw off on real life things. I always call it the law and order effect. Like when you're watching law and order, you're like, well, is this? What story are they doing this week? I'm like, oh, they're doing, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. <laughs> you know, kind like, of like, but they would like change it. They're like, okay, well, that's where they sort of got that from. So I kind of do that, but not as direct a lift
0: as they do. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's how I go about it. Do you include their disclaimer about this isn't based on any real case, even though everybody knows it is? Yeah, (laughs) well, you put that in the beginning of, in the copyright pages, we are like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be sued,
1: thank you. You change, you change it enough where it's not, you know, because things like that have happened to other people, so that's how I sort of, like, get away with it, I think.
0: (laughs) Now, you're seven books into the series, so what do you find the most challenging, coming up with a new location for every book, or coming up with the, with the different cast members or getting the behind the scenes technical details, right? Or coming up with a new crime?
1: Um, none of the, the, none of the, the new crime thing, you always want to kind of not repeat yourself. So then you started when you're getting into eight, nine books, because I have three more do, you know, that I have to think of at least on my contract. So, um, you know, you don't want to, cause I do, you're like, Oh, I really like the this, this kind of trope, but you've already done that. So you sort of want to expand and not do the same book again. So I do, the challenge for me is always to make them a unique experience. You don't want it to be, you're writing a traditional mystery. So there is a, there's a format that you follow because, you know, you want it to be resolved at the end. There has to be, you know, red herrings that come through, but the challenge becomes you've written a lot of those already and you don't want to repeat yourself. So I just always am sure to really make it unique. The crimes are unique each time, you know, you don't want to have the similar kind of suspects. You know what I mean? Like you just want to sort of make it, a fresh experience. So that is one of the challenges. And the other one is I have a lot of B, I guess we we'll call them B characters or, you know, they're behind this. They're, they're important to the main characters. They're, they're family members or friends or different things. And just to keep them sort of, it has to be a reason for them to be there because they're traveling around the country. Like, well, why is her dad at everything? You know, so we have to like bring like realistically, why is the family all there all the time? But that's another challenge and sometimes they don't, they take a backseat and they don't show up in every book or they just do for a minute. But just remembering what happened to them and making sure that their story arcs come forward, not in the front of the house way, but you know what I mean? You want to sort of layer it in, in the background. And, you know, you mentioned someone's going to get married in the last book. You don't want to be like, well, whatever happened to them, you know, just like right. kind of bring along. So that, those are the two things, just keeping all the, I, I feel like it's like playing an instrument. It's like keeping the the orchestra has to keep the background music going while the person is taking a solo sort of thing so that's how I those are my two challenges but it's okay I can do it
0: (laughs) and and do you find it challenging following the same main characters over a seven book series or ten book series eventually
1: no I think I mean I think it might be if you're getting into the 20s like I don't know how some people you know like with Catherine Hall Page who I adore I mean, her books, you have to sort of slow the aging process down because it's been 20 books. I mean, it's, they're, not, they're not 70, you know. <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? There has to be like a break in reality somewhere where it's like, well, they can't be running around chasing criminals, you know. So there's that. But um, for me, I've built it from the be- – in the very beginning, the first book, They um, basically everyone meets each other. So then it just sort of progresses slowly through each book. The character arcs grow, and um, people's relationships develop, change, you know, usually in a positive way, but, um, it's been fun actually. It's like, well, what, how, so it's, the main thing is like thinking of the what's the crime going to be? What's, what's, what set are they on? Where, where are they? And then the other piece is, well, how, how are they feeling this time? Like, are they going to move forward in their relationship Are they taking a break? You know, and so it's just part of it, but I think it's, I think it's fun. I don't find it challenging. I think it's, um, it's fun to think about how they're
0: progressing and did you decide your main character's overall arc at the beginning of the series or you just kind of figured out as you go along and just sort of see how things shape up as each book goes or somewhere in between
1: yeah yeah because you well I started out well when I wrote the first one I was like well maybe I'm just writing one book <laughs> you know <like laughs> who knows who knows? I was gonna want this you know or like it so then it turns out people did like it and wanted it and um then my first contract was for three books and I guess as a writer you're sort of like well this is, you know maybe I'm not going to get another contract so maybe I should wrap stuff up or you know you know what I mean like you're trying to think of like how is this going to end I don't want to leave it like a big cliffhanger at the end of a book or
0: right.
1: relationship wise kind of thing so um halfway through I think it was like beginning writing my third one I figured out they I found out I was going to get three more my ex- contract was extended I was like oh good I don't have to like Run everyone down the aisle. of This book, (laughs) if I'm married or whatever, it's like, it's okay. I have more time, so I had them sort of like. My third book, I had my character where she was having they're having kind of relationship problems, and you know I was sort of new writer and, I you know I just was trying to is making it realistic. Like it's not always smooth sailing. It's just the way it goes in life. You know, they weren't. It was they weren't. They were just arguing a little bit. They were arguing a lot in this book, and I got so many notes about (laughs) (laughs) this. Like, well, what are they? why are they, what's going on? Are they going to break up? Oh my God. I said, I can't believe people, people are paying attention to this relationship like more than the mystery of this one, you know? Wow. So that like kind of gave me a glimmer. I was like, okay, so this is something I need to be careful with. Cause so, you know, they, everything, they got back on track, you know, the next book, but I thought, wow, that was, it was just a very, it was a learning experience. It was a very cool moment for me. Cause I, people were actually worried, like, are they going to break up? I'm not going to read this anymore. If I'm going to break up,
0: and I was like, Oh no. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, it's, that part is really fun to see the reactions that you get from the readers when you, you experiment here and there. Like, I kind of learned my lesson with that. One. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to have a breakup, probably.
0: I want to bum everyone out. <laughs> now, you have your main character listening to a podcast in this book. Are you a podcast fan? I am.
1: I am a podcast fan. I like true crime podcasts a lot. And um, I've been listening to your podcast as well. So, but um, I love, I think we we have such a busy, um, we all have such busy lives these days. It's not, it, it feels like, it feels like we're the first ones saying that I'm sure our parents were busy too, but it's like, I feel like I never have time to do anything, but I love throwing on a podcast when I'm just doing other things like around the house, I can, you know, make dinner and put it on and learn something or be entertained. So I think that's why they're so there's popularity is surging because you can sort of layer it in with other stuff that you're. You don't have to sit there and watch TV. You know what I mean? It's like it's on, and you're. You know, you could go for a run or a walk through the woods. Maybe not a walk through the woods with the ones I listen to with all the murder people jumping out and killing people. <laughs> so, <laughs> and walk through the woods, but yes, I do like podcasts. I do, and mostly they're all mostly crime ones. True crime is what I like.
0: And is the podcast in Murder on the Chopping Block based on any real life podcast, or is that one you made up yourself? Um. Inspired by different ones, um, but it's
1: fictional. I did, I did like the idea of having one where um, people were they were trying to crowdsource the the crime. You know what I mean? Like, and I think there is one like that, one or two like that that, I've, that I that heard about. I haven't listened to them. though. So, but where they put they sort of like cold case kind of stuff, and they put out the crime, and then they have people, the listeners, chime in and say what their theories are, or provide clues or different things. Like, I always thought that was a cool concept. And I'm going to take that podcast into the next book and sort of flesh it out a little bit more Um, because I just love that idea of there's all these different things. people are so in tune with each other now just through different podcasts and um, shows that we watch and all these crimes. There's all these um, amateur detectives in real life trying to solve real crimes, you know, in the world, because there's so many of us that are so inspired by um, figuring stuff out and finding justice and giving relief to victims and different things like that so this, that all of that just really fascinates me so I wanted to sort of touch on it
0: <clears throat> and what are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to
1: mm. well I love my favorite murder I listen to that um, a lot it makes me laugh although the subject matter is you know terrible but <laughs> <It's like they're, laughs> the women are so funny and they they're comedians so they make you laugh while you're listening to it um i listened to one called bear creek which i thought was really fascinating i think it was called bear creek and it was about um i don't know if you remember the case up in new hampshire the woman and the children that were found in the barrels out in the woods they found they had been there for like 20
0: something years oh yes and, uh, they they, they it, couldn't identify them for a long yes. time yes
1: yeah so that was one and that podcast just focused on that just that case and it was eight, eight episodes but it was just fascinating so they went from you know they did the whole history of the whole case, and that I just couldn't. stop I just I binged that one. I think I listened to it like in a couple of days. Um, <clears throat> I listened to yours. I like yours. Thank you. Um, yeah. So just if I what did I? Oh, Hollywood and Crime. That's a good one, especially for my because um, I write movie books about movies and I love movie stuff. Hollywood and Crime is cool, they, and I'm really interested in the Black Dahlia case. So I listen to anything I can get my hands on when it comes to. Um, Elizabeth short. So I, I I like to, uh, and they did that. They did a whole season on, um, the black dahlia and Mm -hmm. how there were other crimes that were a lot like hers, but for some reason, that's never been a thing that people know, you know, it's not like everyone, everyone's sort of, yeah, everyone knows about the black dahlia. But meanwhile, there were six or seven other women that were killed brutally in the same, like in the same area. And they don't really think they solved those either. So that was, that's fascinating. So I throw those on when I'm out running at the park and I'll be running. I'm like, Oh my God,
0: <laughs>
1: it's not really good for, you're like, I'm in I can't believe this news I'm getting just now, you know, but I do, I don't listen to a lot of audiobooks for some reason. I just fiction. I don't, I just never, if I'm on a long drive, I can usually do an audio book, but I don't like how I have to stop and, you know, stop and start a book. I want to mm-hmm. just listen to the whole thing. So I like podcasts because it's like, okay, here's an hour. And for me, that's five miles at the running. So I was like, okay, I can do my five miles and I'll listen to one hour of a case or, you know, something interesting. And um, then it's done and I can move on to the next thing. the next. I like, I like the episodic part, you know, piece of, I think that's why I don't like, um, I just don't prefer listening to, I'll read a whole novel, but, you know, over a week, but I don't like to listen to a whole novel over a week, if that makes any sense. I don't know it, if it does. It but, that um,
0: makes sense. I actually agree with you. I find that uh, podcasts are much easier for me to uh, follow and listen to than uh, audiobook unless it's a short story that i'm listening to um because of the yeah stopping and starting i don't have you know the six to ten hours to devote one sitting to listening to the entire novel
1: yeah exactly i like how it's there's a ending and then i can pick it up the next time i sit down you know or do something else so but yeah those are mine Those are what i like what do you like what do you listen um to?
0: i like small town murders i think is my favorite one um because it's like My favorite murder, it's hosted by comedians. So it is funny, although they're careful not to make fun of the crime victims. But, you know, the murderers and um, sometimes incompetent small town police forces are fair game. Uh, And they actually tell you something about the small town that they're in. Uh, And these are guys from, like, one's from New York and I forget where the other host is from. Somewhere in the south, I think. But they pick small towns everywhere and give you the you know they'll um you some of the background of the town some of the history but then they'll like go on and um whether it's google or yelp but they'll read like reviews people have written of the town which are hysterical because most people hate now <laughs> oh and i'm those- that's
1: going that is going right in my queue i'm listening to that next week <laughs> that sounds right up my alley trust me anything like that and just please send me more recommendations when you get because it's, it's sort of like it's, they're also fun to discover because i hadn't heard of that one or I mean, if i have i haven't it's not on my radar so I, that will be on my radar because i will definitely listen to that but um then you discover all these new ones cause it's like oh you might like it's like when you watch netflix there's five million right. things you know Like, oh you might like and then someone's like why would you think i would like that <laughs> it's like, that's not <laughs> what i would like but um yeah so definitely send any more any recommendations now that you know what i like absolutely <laughs>
0: And uh, we we were you know talking about the short stories versus novel on on audiobooks, and you write short stories.:
1: Yeah, I do. I enjoy writing short stories. Actually, the first thing I got published before my novel was published was a short story, and I hadn't written anything at all since college, really, and um, it got picked up for the first um, resurgence of the Malice domestic. Um, anthologies and it was I had nothing to do with that anthology it was I sent it in blind and I thought I don't even know if I can write a short story and I sent it in and it got it got accepted and I was so thrilled and I thought maybe I do like short stories <laughs> it's sort of like progressed from there and now I'm um, and the, I'm editing anthologies every year now too so I, I do love writing short stories and I think it's really fun um, when you write novels because it's sort of like I always call it like a palate cleanser because you can move from the long form, because it's a, it's a different skill set, it's like, you know, oh, do I need these four words, if I can use one word, that's probably what I should do, you know, because you only have a certain number of words, so you can get, you know, you have to be really precise, and um, sort of like in a moose instead of like a big full meal, and that's what I really, I really enjoy um, doing it, and I think it helps, I think it strengthens both, both sides, when you like, go back to writing the novel, I feel, it's sort of like cross-training at the gym, like I feel like I've pulling those muscles like okay this is, these are excess words you don't need these you know what i mean so right. that's what i enjoy about it it's a lot of fun plus you can you can get punch it out like you're done 5000 words you got a good story in there you got a you, know, you have a beginning middle and end and you told something you know it's a fun enjoyable good crime and it's you're done you move on to the next thing <laughs> so that part
0: is fun too and how is editing the anthologies different from actually writing the short stories uh, well, I I love edit I love
1: helping um, I love editing it's um, it's a lot of fun for me and I do the developmental edits for the Malice Domestic every year now and I also do the Best New England Crime Stories for New England um, for level best every year and that's it's so fun because um, will be anthologies by nature there's so many different kinds of stories so many different kinds of writers and every single year for both of them. They put out a blind submission, they get, you know, hundreds of submissions, hundreds of things come through and then people judge blindly, they read them, give them a score and then we are, you know, you select about 25, 30 stories for each of them. And so then they get handed over to me and the mouth is I've never read any, I haven't read a lot of them already. So they're coming into them fresh. And every single year there's people that, you know, are accomplished short story writers that you see in a lot of anthologies and they're kind of known for their short stories and they're wonderful. And then every single year, I read equally wonderful stories by people that are possibly being published for the very first time. And that's really exciting. And they're, you know, so excited to be in, in the anthology. And then they're, I'm editing their story, and I send them my thoughts. And I'll, so the developmental phase, you just, I just read. And I'll say, hey, you know, maybe this guy would say this here, or maybe this is extraneous information. We don't really need that. You know what I mean? You just sort of like mm-hmm. give them a whole big picture kind of thing. And you know, and I always end up saying like these are just my thoughts, and this is your work, but this is just my impression of it. And you know, if if it were, um, but it's up to you. You you make the choice whether or not you're gonna. (laughs) You can leave it the way it is or whatever you want to do. And um, I always get positive feedback from you know, thank you very much. You made the story stronger. You know that kind of thing, because I would never presume to say you definitely need to change this or it's it's terrible. (laughs) Like, and I wouldn't say that anyway because it's not because it's been chosen, but. I do enjoy the process I think it's a lot of fun I think it makes me a better writer because I can you know it's really hard to edit yourself and I'll send stuff to my editor and she sends it back and she's like oh what are you? I'm like oh my god I can't believe I did that <laughs> I can't believe I said that 300 times like what is wrong with me and that but you can see it for other people like it's really hard to like you can't scratch your own back you know
0: right so
1: I'm lo- reading these people's stories and I'm like oh well and it's never anything like terrible but it's like okay you know you said this two or three times maybe we could find a different way to word this particular (laughs) phrase and uh oh yeah I never you know because it's your brain is skipping over the things because your brain knows what you are trying to say you know right but my brain doesn't know what your brain is trying to say so I'm just going to tell you what I'm reading it you know fresh and but it's a cool process and I think it does help it helps them and it helps me as a writer because then I kind of recognize when I'm doing stuff you know, you can't, can't do it 100% for yourself, but you can get better each time around. But it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And I get, I get to meet all these writers and, you know, um, have developed friendships from it. And it's, it's been really great. For It's been a good process. It's, I'm, I'm very busy. <laughs> I'm never not busy. But um, I'm, it's an enjoyable um, process and it's an enjoyable career for me. So I'm very, very, I'm not complaining. I have my dream job, so I'm not complaining at all.
0: And you mentioned that one of, the, one of the anthologies that you edit is the Malice Domestic Anthology. And you're also Great. on the board of directors of Malice. So how did you get involved with Malice Domestic?
1: Malice Domestic, this one coming up this year in May will be my 17th Malice. Oh. So I've been there forever, it seems like, but there's people that are on the board that have been there longer than me. <laughs> I'm, still not, I'm not even been there longest. So 17 years ago or 18 years ago, I moved back from, I was living in New York city and I'd been up there for about eight years, eight or nine years. So I didn't, and I went there directly out of college. And before that, I'd only been at my high school here for like um, a year and a half, two years. So um, I like, I didn't have a big foundation of friendships here when I came back. I was like, kind of like, Oh, here I'm back. And I don't know. I didn't know anyone when I left. I didn't know anybody. So I thought, well, I'm, you know, need to figure out how to make some friends and do some stuff, get involved with things. So I saw this thing called Malice and I am like, what is that? And um, I was like, oh, cool. It's a fan convention for mysteries. I love mysteries. I have always loved mysteries. And it was down the street, basically. It's, you know, Bethesda. DC is very close to me. So I went to the first one and I just thought, this is such a cool thing. I can't believe there's 600 people here that are nerds like me that like this stuff. You know, so, But I had a wonderful time and I was in the, uh, one of the panels. And this woman turned around and she said, oh, hi, what, like, I just think I was like out of, I looked out of place too. Like nobody had ever seen me before because that came, came to figure out these people have been doing this all, every year for, since 1989. And I'm wandering into their thing. And, uh, yeah, there's always new people every year, but there's that core group that's always been there. And she's one of the core group. So she turned around and said, hey, oh, your last name is Riley and you spell it correctly. And I just laughed and said her maiden name was Riley. Oh. And I was like, yes, as a matter of fact, she goes, well, what are you doing here? Basically, and I was like, oh, you know, my sob story of have no friends kind of thing. And I said, well, no, I'm really I'm a big fan of mysteries. And I'm, you know, and she asked just sort of gave me like a little mini interview. Like, you know, I said, well, I was in sales and marketing in New York and now I'm here and blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, our PR person is uh, leaving the board. And it seems like you'd be perfect for that. Would you would you be interested? I said, yes, I would be. I can't believe it. I've only been here for like a day. <laughs> Got invited to be on the board just because my name was Riley. And uh, the the chair at the time was Tom O'Day. And he and his wife, Marie, came all the way out to Frederick. It was like, it's like an hour from where they are. And we had a nice lunch. They took me to lunch and they gave me a little mini interview and just kind of gave me the rundown on, on what malice was. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I'm definitely interested. And then they asked, I was Nominated to the board and I did p r for the first couple of years. I just did like little press releases and that's before we had um Facebook and stuff, so I had done mail press releases to places and um that was that, and then it's just i never left and then i <laughs> the registrar retired several years later and I took over her position and then uh yeah, so that's how it worked out, but I've been there forever now
0: cool. and I, I
1: mean almost forever almost it's- it's a long time seventeen years
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> that is a lot
1: Yeah, I, you know, in the meantime, I've, I got married, I had a, I had a baby, and now I have a nine-year-old, and they all knew me when I was just a single person, you know, they've watched me grow grow through all of those things, and they are like my second family, you know, I love, I love the board, I love everyone that I work with, and to me, it's like a big, giant family reunion every spring, or like I'm, or like I'm organizing a wedding every spring, because I do all the banquet stuff, and um you know I organize all the seating arrangements and you know there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes and we meet once a month all year long we do take the summer off now that was my suggestion I said can we take the summer off (laughs) because you know it's it's you know we're all busy and things like that so um but yeah it's we were we we go to meetings on a Sunday once a month all throughout the year and it's you know of course there's different times of the year it gets more intense work planning and stuff and uh we're launching into our gonna be our busy time here Ballots go out at the end of the year. We get January 1, and then we get, you know, sort of from January on, we're never not working on Matlass. It's just the way it, it sort of goes. But it's wonderful experience. I've met um, thousands of fans and writers and made friends, you know, lifelong friendships. And, you know, I got to have tea with Louise Penny a couple times, you know, mm-hmm. like I've, I've, it's been very, very fortunate. It was a very lucky um, turn of events when I went to that first one and was invited to be a part of it. And um, I think, I wouldn't be talking to you today for sure if it hadn't been for Malice domestic. That's so. true. <laughs> yeah, nobody would like Sean too. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah, I love it there, of course.
0: And speaking of all that hard work, what's it uh, resulted in? The upcoming for Malice Twenty Twenty.
1: Malice Twenty Twenty is going to be awesome. We're very excited. We have Julia Spencer Fleming as our wow. guest of honor. Yeah, and we I, we love her, and she was. long time attendee for a really long time and she sort of took a break and now she's back and we're so thrilled to have her back and um it's just gonna be a fabulous fabulous time like always and we have some different you know every year we try to bring some new um fun things to do and surprises so we have at our new venue last couple years we have this theater where we can show you know episodes of shows like last year we two years ago we had um i think two episodes of vera and um and Anne Cleves was there, as well as, as, well as Brenda Blatham. She came and talked to the audience, which was wonderful. And then last year, Acorn, we partnered up with Acorn TV, and they brought um, episodes of shows. And I think...
0: Um,
1: the Queens of Murder? The Queens of Mystery, yes. And then we had the Murdoch, too. So, And I think we're, this year we're going to have another Murdoch. We always try to find it, get an episode that no one's ever seen before. So we're working on a Murdoch for this year, and another big surprise. So we're but it's really fun and we um that's the fun part because we get to do all this cool stuff and it's like we're throwing a party for our family of 6 700 people that are coming and hope they enjoy themselves and yeah it'll just be you know our usual good time so i hope you're coming you're coming yes i am coming i think i already yeah. registered good well you know i started my up tester and people <laughs> Because I will, I will be that person who says, um, are you registered yet? I don't think you're registered. What's going on? Are you coming? <laughs> so, I think mean, that's why I got my job, because I'm not afraid to ask. Well, you, you need to be coming back here. We need to see you there. So, but yes, I love doing it. And it's a lot of fun. And like I said, it's been, you know, it's sort of the ground zero for everything else that's happened for me.
0: And, and what's the theme of this year's Malice Anthology?
1: This year, it is Mystery Most Theatrical. So all of the stories will have something to do with theater or shows, um, something stage, you know, movies. I didn't pick this one, surprisingly. Um, we we all get to, I know, I was like, sounds like someone would like that, but I do like, I like everything. basically. So last year was, um, this year was Edible, and it was my turn to choose the theme, so I chose Edible, of course. And this year, it was one of the other editors and she chose Theatrical, but that's, that's cool too, and I'm not sure what they're going to do for next year. We tossed around some ideas, but I'm not positive yet, but I will know in the next couple of days because I have to put out the call for submissions by the first, and I think I can't remember what it is. I can't remember. I know we talked about something, but it's not. I don't think it's been official official. So, stay tuned for that news. <laughs> but the cool thing with that with Malice, we always invite the guests of honor to put in a story if they if they would like to, and um, so that's neat. So you know, you might end up you know in a book with a story with Julia Spencer Fleming. You never know. Yeah. You know, it just depends on. So it's it's fun, it's, a, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and Wildside Press is really great to work with. And they're, you know, been, they're just really nice people and they come every year and support us. And that part is fun too. So I get, you know, I get to do a lot of cool stuff.
0: I mean, I'm very fortunate. It's exciting, it's like writing mysteries and editing anthologies and writing short stories and being on the board of, I'll just say it, the best mystery, co- well, uh, I shouldn't play favorites. One of the best mystery conferences. <laughs> We'll take the
1: best. It's okay. You can say it. <laughs> We're the best ones that do what we do. We'll say that. <laughs> well, thank you. But yeah, no, I'm. I'm. My husband's like, okay, there's no more. You don't need to do any, any more things, right? and I'm like, yeah. He's like, I think three's enough things. I'm like, yeah, three three's probably good. um I am busy because I didn't when I first started writing my first book. Um, we had just had our. My, I had just had my son, so I had an infant, and um. I was like, oh, I guess I'll, you know, let's take him to the park for a couple hours a day. And then I'll go, all right. while well, he's, you know, napping. And that's what I did. And I had have like one thing. <laughs> so i would taken care of the household, you know. I did that kind of stuff. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I have to get this done today. I'm on deadline. I'm on deadline. Over, You know, it's like, yeah, I remember when you used to go to the park every day and hang out. And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> I'm too busy for that. So we still have fun. But, you know, I, am, I have a little bit more on, on, on my plate
0: than I used to have. Now, the Malice Anthology will be available at Malice. Uh, where will Murder on the Chopping Block be available?
1: Um, also at Malice. They, um, the main bookseller always has my books, which I'm so grateful for, which is very, very nice. And um, they're also available online and in bookstores and in libraries. I'm in a lot of libraries, which is very I love libraries. I'm a huge library fanatic I go every week on Wednesdays I met my library friends who know me They're like hi Sean you're here again you know <laughs> so and my son has had a library card since he was two so we are library people so I am in, but I'm, it's not every I'm like I'm in libraries in North Carolina and New York and Maryland and um other places around the country but not every not everyone in the world but you know it's really cool that's my, like, that's like more important to me than anything else <laughs> it's like I walk into the library to see my books and I'll never forget the first time um, my son—I think he was—he was four or five—and I had several of my books were in our local library, and i, I just wanted to go show him. I was like, "This will be fun." So I took him upstairs to the adult section, and he looked, and he saw my books. He just started grabbing them, putting them in his bag. <laughs> He's going to take them <laughs> home. <laughs> and I said, "Oh well, we can leave these for the other people to check out because we already have these at home." He, he just thought that was so. He just couldn't believe that my books were there. and He wanted to bring them home and <laughs> look at them. So I let him bring them home. But I was like, "Oh, that's so cute." But yeah, I love—I um, love libraries.
0: Me too. They are great places.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's just such a good vibe usually. Like, you know, it's quiet or not quiet or whatever it is, but it's just just to be surrounded by all those books and history. And I just, you know, there's nothing else. You don't, don't feel like that anywhere else, you know, and i love bookstores too, but there's just something special about libraries. So it's a community thing. Yes.
0: And when, when can the community find Murder on the Chopping Block? What's, what's your book birthday?
1: Oh, it, that one came out in uh, October. It's already out. So it's been out for a couple months now. But yeah, that, one's, that one came out. And my next one is due. And that one I'm calling Murder on the Side, just as a working title. I think that might, usually my working title is dead. And that one is due into the editor <laughs> in January, <laughs> which is hilarious. No, it'll be done. Um, and, but that one, that one probably, they usually come out around late summer, fall. So that's my cycle that I'm on these days. So there's that's the next one, and that one um, takes place. And it's so funny as I mentioned to you earlier that I always set books and um, places I've lived or traveled to a lot. So I'm like sitting down to write this book. I'm like, oh, where should I put this one? And I
0: said, oh,
1: I'm like, oh my God, I've never written one about Maryland. Like I literally have lived in Maryland longer <laughs> than anywhere else. <laughs> it's Like why did I not? Why is my brain like that? Like I can manage a giant convention, but I can't think of like obvious stuff. So I. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna do one in Maryland. Oh my God, why did I not think about this like the first book? So I'm writing <laughs> this one in Maryland. Okay. And the fun thing about this one is my best friend and her husband—they do the uh, ghost tours. I live. I went to high school. I finished high school right near Antietam Battlefield, which is um, near Sharpsburg, Maryland, um, Shepherdstown, West Virginia. So it's, mm-hmm. um, Antietam was the. They, it's called the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. And Boonesboro is where I went to high school, which everyone kind of knows as Nora Roberts'ville. So she, that's where she lives and owns the bookstore and owns the pizzeria and owns the inn and owns the whole town. So it's really cool and historic. And um, my mom, I just was there today. My mom lives off the main street. So my best friend from high school, who I've been friends with for 33 years, and her husband, they do the ghost tours. And there's a lot of ghosts around there because it's you know Civil War. So I sat down with them last week for dinner. We had a really nice dinner, and we talked about, I said, give me some stories. Give me some ideas. <laughs> give, me some, <laughs> give me some stuff to work with here. So it was like my research. But it was also fun. We had a lot of wine, and we talked, and we laughed, and it was wonderful. But so this, is my, this is what I call heavy research, like having a, a beautiful dinner with my friends, and talking about ghosts and murders that happened in the Civil War. But did you know, he told me a fascinating piece of information which is going to play into the book, I was thinking because I knew there were female Civil War soldiers. I just know that because I mean, how could there not be? Of course. And I, but I had a number in my head that was significantly lower than the actual number that he's researched and that he's you know he's a, he's a historian. He's in history. He's aficionado in this whole subject. He told me that there were six to seven hundred female soldiers that fought in the Civil War. Wow. And these are women that you know dressed as men. You know they weren't like yeah. I'm a woman. You know they were they were fighting for their cause or whatever. And but a lot of them didn't want to leave their husbands. A lot of them had no other way to make money. You know, different things. There were different situations. But I just thought that was fascinating. So I just um I'm really interested in, on, on both sides, Union and Confederate. And uh but yeah, it was it was so interesting to me. So I'm gonna definitely because my my main my other main character is an actress, and she likes to take on these you know difficult, hard to watch movie roles. That's why I always make fun of her because she doesn't do like fun comedies. She always like has to do like the She's like a very Angelina Jolie movie choices where it's like, oh, this is going to be really good, but hard to watch. Okay. So <laughs> she's going to be one of these soldiers like <laughs> where your life was super hard. And so I like to put her in like really difficult roles where she has to gain weight or cut all of her hair off or, you know, look ugly because she's really beautiful. So um, that's, I'm just toying around with all these ideas in my head about, uh, I always like to bring, I always talk about women and, you know, I think um, we don't get the, Full credit for a lot of things as usual in life and that might be you know a very good example of that so that's where i'm going with that
0: okay yeah and if readers want to find out more about you and your uh, fun wine-fueled research adventures and uh, your <laughs> upcoming projects where can they find you
1: um well my website is sean that's just my name.com and then if you I have a newsletter and I send it out monthly and I always put a recipe or two in there so if you're a food person that's always fun and you can find me on Instagram I take a lot of pictures of food and wine on there too (laughs) so that's um, I'm Sean R Simmons on Instagram as well as Twitter and they're all kind of linked together but all of that is on my website so that's all you can find me through there and um, I definitely welcome any kind of reader feedback or emails or I don't shy away from any of those things. So please reach out and contact me in any way that you feel comfortable in. Whatever your platform you prefer. (laughs) Okay.
0: All right. And thank you very much for joining me today, Sean. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and finding out some things I didn't know. And I also made some note of some uh, podcast recommendations. Oh, and actually, uh, what's a shout out to your favorite culinary competition show?
1: Oh, I have never missed an episode of Top Chef. I just love Top Chef. To me, it's like the best. It's like the the, the king of the pile. But I do watch a lot of Chopped, and I watch that every day when I'm um, having lunch. <laughs> <I> throw on, <laughs> I throw an episode of Chopped because like 500 episodes, you know, so you can always watch a new one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are my those are my go-to ones. But I, oh, and the British Baking Show. I mean, come on. Like that, there's nothing more fun or relaxing. Just to throw on the British Baking Show, even if I've seen it, I will watch it again because it's just so comforting and. Everyone is so happy and nice, and there's, you know they're not angry with each other for anything. True. And the stuff they make, I can't even believe that they are. These are home bakers, and they just make these, you know, a croquembouche, I don't know. Like they just do it all the time. It's amazing. So yeah. I love that too. Too. You can't go oh. wrong with any of the baking ones. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Well, again, thank you very much for joining me. Um, it's it's been great chatting with you. And, uh, doing some fascinating things, and uh, great hearing about the upcoming uh, I mean, books and the upcoming novels. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to chat with you. Yes. And and I will actually see you at Malice, which will be coming up sooner than we realize. Well, maybe not sooner than you realize, but sooner than I realize. (laughs) I know I
1: have a countdown on my computer like, Oh my God, I have to get ready for that. No, I was, I will, I look forward to seeing you and I hope we get to sit together again. We, we banqueted together last year, if you remember. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. It was super fun. And you're always, yeah. Oh, yeah. The bar. Trust me. You can always find me there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for, um, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It's nice to be uh, chatting with you. It was really fun.
0: Great. And this has been Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries. Joining me in the corner today was Sean Riley Simmons, not Simons, <laughs> author of the Red Rock Catering <laughs> Mystery <laughs> Series. Thank you, listeners, for joining us in the cozy corner part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Cozy Corner Podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries and the host of the podcast. Tune in next time as I chat with another author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, Goodbye.